0: Welcome to the Asbury First United Methodist Church weekly sermon. We hope you enjoyed this message by Stephen Cady. For more information about this podcast or other ways to connect, please visit asburyfirst.org. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket but on a lampstand so that it may give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good work and give glory to God in heaven. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. At this point, most of us are familiar with the routine. Whether we want to be or not, we basically know how the news cycle will roll out in the wake of these tragedies. We get that alert on our phone or pick up the paper or turn on the news or hear just by word of mouth of some new horror, some new act of violence, too often using a gun that has been inflicted upon our community, upon our nation, our world. Just look at this week. How many mass shootings have there been in the last week? In California, in Washington, in Iowa, I'm sure I'm missing others. And then we get the footage released of that horrific beating to death by police of Tyree Nichols in Memphis. Not to mention, every time we turn on the news here in Rochester, we hear of yet another act of gun violence on our own streets with names we don't even bother to learn. That's the thing, like some kind of macabre, mad lib. We all, all we need are a few details, and we can basically fill in the rest. We basically know how the rest of the story is going to go, don't we? For a few days, we will join our neighbors shaking our heads and gnashing our teeth. The talking heads will speak of motive and perhaps fill in a few details and statistics. The politicians will cross their fingers and speak about police or gun reform in ways that they can just roll back when our ire has been drawn to somewhere else. If it's in a neighborhood, of course, that we care about, or if the number of victims is high enough, or young enough, or white enough, we will keep talking about it for several days, maybe even several weeks. But then eventually... Eventually, we just go back to doing whatever we were doing before. Only if we're honest, each time it gets a little harder. A little harder to understand. A little harder to process. A little harder to care. Maybe some of us are there this morning. Until eventually even those people who know better, even people of faith start to believe that there's nothing really we can do to throw up our hands and say, what can we do to really struggle to believe that this little light that each of us carries can really do anything to get rid of the darkness that is out there. and the world grows darker. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, that it may give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. In November of 1963, the world sat stunned by another mass shooting. this time along a grassy knoll in Dallas, Texas, maybe some of you remember. In under an hour, two were injured and two were killed, one a police officer and one the President of the United States. And because of the advent of television, for one of the first times in human history, people watched in real time as a leader fell. Assassinated by a former Marine with ties to Russia. And maybe because we hadn't yet gotten fully into that macabre cycle of violence, of outrage and apathy, people asked genuinely, not ironically, what can I do? What can be done? How can I shine this little light into the darkness? Maybe some of us are asking the same question this morning. Some answers, of course, were better than others. Most of us know the story of Jack Ruby, the nightclub owner with possible ties to the mafia, who clearly hadn't read the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, who believed that violence was best met by more violence and in an act of cowboy justice, took it upon himself to assassinate Lee Harvey Oswald which in the end, not only left yet another widow with two small children, but the whole world a little darker. But one of those stories that most of us don't know is about a presbyterian woman 1200 miles away in Ann Arbor Michigan who offered a better response, a more faithful response. Of course, just like everyone else, she was reading the paper, devouring whatever information she could. She was watching the news to see what was happening, and one of the stories that struck her was the way that Mrs. Oswald, that is Marina Oswald was being treated by the press. Here was this woman who spoke virtually no English who had no money and was terrified that she would be sent back to Russia. She had two little kids, two little money, and was at the center of a maelstrom in the media that she did not create. And so this Presbyterian woman began to pray. Maybe that's where we ought to start. We don't know the content of her prayer, but we do know the result. Maybe she asked, what can be done? What can I do? How can I use this little light that God has given me to shine into the darkness of this world? And an idea came to her that is a light went on and she knew what sometimes we forget, that light is meant to be shared. So the next morning she scheduled a meeting with her minister the Reverend Dr. Ernest Campbell, not yet of Riverside Church fame in New York City, but already a voice for social justice in the nation. And she told him of her idea. What if we brought Marina and her two children to Ann Arbor? What if we house them in church, in, with members of the church and what if we help them get enrolled in that new English program at the University of Michigan, the very place where this Presbyterian woman happened to work, and Ernest Campbell, without hesitation, without missing a beat, said, this may be the only way to partially redeem this horrific situation. So calling together the session that is the administrative body of that 2,300-member church sound familiar? They voted together under the strictest of confidence unanimously to bring this family up and to enroll them in the University of Michigan. And so it was after weeks of being accosted by the media and interviewed by the FBI, they brought Marina and her two children under the cloak of night out of Texas and into Michigan to begin their new life, and they began to see The light. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand that it may give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Now, truth be told, friends, most of us are at one of those points where we just don't know what to do. The human soul can only take so much bad news before we just shut down, before those evolutionary instincts kick in and we start entering fight, flight, or freeze mode. Maybe some of us are there this morning, not sure whether to fight, to flight, or freeze. And we got to do what we got to do to survive. Every one of us has to pay attention to our mental, emotional, spiritual well-being. But we are the light of the world. We're the salts of the earth. We're the people who are being called to go and, and do something else, to try our best to shine, however hard it is, into this darkness. If not us, then who? Shouldn't we do something? And if it sounds overwhelming, the good news is we don't have to do it alone. That's why we're here. That's what it means to be a part of a church. That's the only reason we bother to get up on Sunday morning when we could sleep in. Why we bother to tune in on the live stream or listen on the radio? Because we recognize that even though we pretend we can, none of us can do this alone. That we may not be perfect, but we're more perfect together than we are apart. And the good news is that light, when you bring it together, gets even brighter. The more light we have to shine into this world, the more we're able to come together. We can shine into that darkness. We can do things together that we couldn't do apart by coming together and focusing on something to try and make a difference. Yes, some of that are those big societal policy changes. We, as people of faith, ought to speak into those. We ought to be advocating for police reform and for gun reform in our world. After all, we're not a people who advocate for the Second Amendment. We're a people who advocate for the Second Commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. It should not surprise us that in the same week we get this brutal beating to death of a man in Memphis by the police. We also see all of these. Acts of mass gun violence, they grew up on the same playground together. We don't like to talk about it, but the truth is the reason why guns are enshrined in our constitution in no small part is because of the advocacy of those southern slave owners who needed a way to control brown and black bodies. We ought as people of faith to shine a light into those dark spaces, to advocate for reform, to work for justice, but while we're waiting for that justice to roll down water like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, we ought to do what we can to look for those immediate ways to help, those acts of mercy that we could do. Let us not just let the Presbyterians do it. How about the Methodists join in? Why don't we look for ways that we can help, even in our own city? Who are those places? Who are those people in the shadows of these incidents that we might be able to lend a helping hand, an open arm, a word of kindness, a little act of love? To That's what it means to be a person of faith, doesn't it? Though, let's be honest, it won't be easy. It was just before Christmas of 1963 that the press discovered that Marina Oswald was enrolled at the University of Michigan. And it took a couple of weeks for them to trace back why she got there and how she got there with her children. And they pointed directly at the church. And pretty soon people became angry. It didn't take long for that hate mail to begin rolling into the church. Some from the community, some from across the nation, but some from the church itself, from members who were so angry angry that the church would do this, that the church would reach out to this family that had done so much to destroy America that they would dare get into the political storm and help this family. And right or wrong, Dr. Campbell felt compelled to respond to every single letter that he received, despite people threatening to leave the church or to withdraw their money, as so often happens. He responded to every single letter, and after making it clear that he understood where they were coming from, he ended each letter with the very same line, What you haven't shown, he said, is how what we have done is unlike Christ's. What you haven't shown is how what we have done is unlike Christ. Friends, Christ is the light of the world. He is that light that shines in the darkness that no darkness can overwhelm, but he told us that we now are that light. That is, we are the body of Christ. Do you hear? You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, that it may give light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Asbury First Weekly Sermon. If you enjoyed this message, please visit asburyfirst.org and learn more about our mission to love God and neighbor, live fully, serve all, repeat.